I'm Jackie. I'm an alcoholic. Jackie. <laughs> it's great to see. I want to see who else here. Where's all these people at? Okay. Okay, great. Welcome to the newcomer. We had what, six months, nine months, 60 days. Awesome. Congratulations. You know, I remember, uh, I remember taking my 30, 60, 90 day chip like four times. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so my uh, sobriety date, Jackie Alcoholic, I have sobriety date April, which is this month, 28th of 2006. So, if I don't drink or use anything or get all crazy, I'll have 16 years on the 28th. And that is, oh, no, no. It's, it's really crazy. It's a miracle because I still, you know, I still can't believe that I don't drink. I mean, I, once I drank, I couldn't stop. Towards the end of my drinking, I drank for days, weeks, months. Like the last five years of my drinking, that's all I did. And so it really is a miracle that I don't drink. It still baffles the heck out of me. I mean, I know why I don't drink because I had that spiritual experience. And everything shifted, um, the way I think, the way I react, the way I can shut my head off, the way I can take direction, the way I can be consistent. For some reason, before I had that, that shift, I couldn't do any of that. And when I had that shift, I could do all of it. And that's why I'm standing before you. And it all has to do with God, um, my higher power. And on my own, I cannot stop drinking. I cannot stop <clears throat> lying and cheating, um, being emotional, hysterical. I can't stop any of that. Um, and and that, so it just really baffles me that, you know, well, there are times that I get a little crazy still. I and mean, then come on, I'm, I am human, <laughs> but, you know, I promptly will make amends. All right, you know, before I feel really guilty and shameful and then do something else, which used to be the case. So I'm going to tell you kind of in a general way what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. So my first drink was at 14. It was at my sister's wedding. And when I drank, I had the phenomenon of craving. I didn't know that's what it was. But shortly thereafter, I knew I, I, I had a drinking problem from the get-go. That night I drank. I couldn't stop drinking. I got drunk. I threw up. I passed out, laid on the ground and cried. And I'm 14 in a chiffon yellow dress with the with the flowers in my hair at my sister's wedding. And my little girlfriends drank with me at that wedding, but they didn't do, they didn't drink the way I drank. <clears throat> and I didn't drink every day after that. And I didn't, you know, become a raging alcoholic because prior to that, you know, um, my dad was an alcoholic and he's, I can say he's an alcoholic because he was in and out of AA. My mom was married to him until I was 11 years old, up until I was 11 years old. I hated him. I hated alcohol. Um, I concocted this plan that when I was 14, I was going to kill him because I hated what he was doing to the family. And then I was, felt guilty and shameful that I thought like that. Who thinks like that as a young kid? But um, so my mom finally left, left him when I was 11. And I, that was probably still one of the greatest days of my life. And um, I hated him. Then I didn't really care because my mom left him. I went to Alateen. No, Al-Anon, Alateen, a few times. And, um, you know, I, so when I had that first drink, I still had in my head, 
I mean, I had drank before, like a little sip still in alcohol, but at 14, when my sister got married, <clears throat> I remember um, kind of thinking, can't be like my dad because I still hated my dad at that point. Anyway, so then, you know, I didn't, like I said, I didn't continue drinking daily. Um, and so I went to high school, you know, I drank like everybody drank, you know, at the high, the football games, but every time I drank, I was mindful of the fact that if I drank, I didn't know if I was going to black out or throw up. Um, so I was always mindful that and I always knew <clears throat> if I was going to drink, yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen. So I, I kind of controlled it through high school and, you know, I had all these great dreams and aspirations. And, you know, after high school, I went to college, I was going to be a paralegal and then I was going to go to law school. I'd never wanted to get married. I was going to take care of myself. And, you know, I just had all these dreams. I wanted to buy a condo. So I'm 24 years old and I'm going to school and I'm a paralegal and I buy this condo. <clears throat> but in the meantime, I had met this guy. My first boyfriend was an alcoholic. Okay. So real quick, I'll back up a smidge. So when I was in high school at my senior year, I met this guy. I'm 21 years old and we get engaged and I don't know why I'm engaged at 21, but I was engaged at 21. And then I break up with this guy because he drank too much and he would just get all crazy. And so I didn't want to be with someone like that. And then when I fast forwarded, I looked at him and he had this great life and I was this raging alcoholic in AA and lost everything. So, you know, evidently I, I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> so, so then I meet this guy, I'm 24 years old and I'm, you know, going to school, I'm a paralegal, I'm still going to school. I finally um, buy this condo, I've got this boyfriend and this boyfriend's dealing drugs. And so I'm doing drugs and, you know, what? so at this point, I'm trying to work full time. I'm trying to go to school at night. I was working and I'm working in restaurants. I'm a, I'm a cocktail waitress while I'm going to school. And I love that because then I could drink. So really, you know, my drinking just really consisted of try not to drink during the week. Thursday would come around. I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to drink Friday. Friday comes around and I'm feeling good because I get to drink. And then I'm going to drink through the weekend. Then I'm going to try not to drink on Monday. And then I have to get this job because I'm going to school to be a paralegal. So what do you do? You stop being a cocktail waitress and you get a job in a law firm. Like, guess what? You got to work on Mondays. And, you know, I literally could not work on Mondays. And I remember thinking, I can't work full time. I don't know how, I did not, I couldn't tell. I didn't know how people could get up and be at work at eight and work till five and, and just be normal. I, I literally was baffled by that. I mean, I could do it now, but I was literally baffled by it. So I remember I did not want to get the job. And my husband, the guy that I was with before we got married, he was, he thought, working in a, a restaurant didn't look good for him. His wife was a, or his girlfriend was a cocktail waitress. And so he's like, you need to get a job in a law firm. So I get this job, you know, again, I'm controlling my drinking. I rarely go to work on Mondays. And, you know, really what happens is that I'm going to get married to this guy. And so we're planning this wedding. And this is kind of shows me how powerless I was over alcohol. I mean, I'm planning this wedding. My parents are going to pay for this great wedding. And, you know, you plan it on the weekends because you're working full time. And you're going to plan this wedding. And, you know, I couldn't do that because when I work, when I drink Friday, I'm drinking Saturday and Sunday. There's no time to get up and plan a wedding. And, you know, it was really kind of trying to control it 
to try to go a few times. And I remember going a few times with my mom and my sister and my niece, and I'm hungover, still loaded, trying to plan this wedding on a Saturday. And, you know, and I knew by the time that wedding came up, because the other thing we did is like, I know I'm taking forever, sorry. So the other thing we did was like, you don't have a, you know, rehearsal dinner the night before the wedding. I mean, who does that? So of course we do it like two days before the wedding because I'm hungover up until the wedding, <laughs> you know. And then the day of the wedding that morning, other than that, I'm just like, what am I doing? You know, what am I doing? I'm. I just knew I was going to have this life of drinking and drugs, and but you know, someone like me that where I don't have a defense against the drink, nor do I have a defense of doing what's best for me. You know, what would be best for me? What do I deserve? Okay, probably shouldn't marry someone where we do drugs and we drink, where I'm, I'm drinking half the week away, then the other half of the week I want to kill myself. You know, that's probably not a good idea. And I knew that. And I, but I couldn't say, I couldn't stop it. And so I went ahead with that wedding and married to this guy. And, you know, we pr proceeded to drink through that whole marriage. I was with that guy for almost 20 years. And, um, I was able to work for the first like 10 years, but it was a living hell. My life consisted of, we would go out, but I wasn't doing drugs. For instance, we're out with friends, we're drinking. And, you know, I did the genie thing. I'm doing karaoke in one minute, genie, and I'm at home the next day. Or, you know, we're in Tahoe, the same thing. And we're out in the genie and I'm in some Airbnb in that guest room, I don't even know where I'm at. I mean, I, I, um, I never knew where I was. I did a whole, we did a whole bunch of things. We had this big party house. People would come over and we're swimming and we're up for days. And, you know, then, you know, then things, you start doing things that you shouldn't be doing. And I share in a general way, but, you know, I wasn't a great wife. I was a drunk. I was a lush. I would do anything for a drink, anything for a wine. And, you know, we proceeded to just, live a life that probably wasn't really conducive to being married. And so I did that for a long time. And then what happened is somewhere along the line, we want, we want to have a baby. And so we're trying to have this baby and um, we're paying all this money because we're going to the doctor to try to have a baby. And, but I'm trying to spend in the money. I'm trying to have a baby. And then over here, I'm still drinking and doing drugs. So then I'm the guilt and the shame is just too much for me because you know, I really want to have a baby. I really want to be a mom and I really want that life, you know, whatever that may be, but I wanted that life, the, you know, the house and the husband and the kids and all that. And it just wouldn't happen. And then, you know, then of course I'm drinking more because the guilt and the shame over all the money I'm spending. And then I'm getting all these procedures and then I'm just going out drinking and doing drugs. Like, like I didn't have a care in the world. I mean, it was just really sick. You know, and then um, I was hiding alcohol from my husband and, you know, he drank like I did, but he could stop after like Saturday. I would drink till, I mean, God, to the end, I just could drink. I just never stopped. I would drink, pass out, get up, drink more, pass out, get my act together for maybe a day and drink again. And I'm hiding alcohol. By this time, I'm not working because, and one of the guys, the last guys I worked for, Tim, he's an attorney. I was his paralegal. He's sober though too. It was a great office, but um, I mean, I couldn't even go into an office where we were all alcoholics. That's how bad I was. And so I, I couldn't drink anymore. So I'm at home drinking. 
trying to have a baby and I'm hiding the alcohol and my husband would find it. And then he would, he would take me off all the credit cards and take me off the bank account. And so I couldn't get money. And we had this big wine bar, this wine area with a big wrought iron you know, door on it. And he would padlock that thing. And then, but you know, if you're alcoholic like me, trust me, you're not, I'm five steps ahead of you. You might think you're two steps ahead of me. And he thought he was. Once in a while, he might catch me off guard. But for the most part, I had money. I had alcohol. And if I didn't, I just threw a fit and I'd try to sober up for a day. And then Friday would come around. He'd want to drink anyway. So the padlock would come off. I'd go back on the bank accounts, credit cards, and we're in. You know? But then once I start, I'm, you know, I don't know why I'm going to stop. And what happened is, you know, I got to the point where I would leave him notes. He would be out working and I would leave notes. I want to kill, I'm going to kill myself. I can't do this. And I probably didn't, I didn't do that one time. I don't know. I did it a handful of times. So he'd come home from work and find this note. And I don't know where I was. Um, and he'd be frantic and, you know, but it's like all that would happen. And then we'd straighten up. And then literally like two days later, we'd be partying like nothing happened. It would be like, I'm getting ready to kill myself. I literally can't do this anymore. And then two days later, Friends are over. We're partying like not like we just the rug. We'd lift up the rug, we'd sweep it under there, put down the rug, and we'd go on with it. And it always baffled me, you know. It just yeah, it was really sickening. I, I just, but I didn't know what to do. I wanted to stop drinking for years. I would so then towards the end. So this is what happened. So I'm hiding the alcohol, and I'm um, always want to kill myself if I'm drinking. You know, I could get a little bit of relief, but then, then I'm getting up in the morning and I'm so sick from drinking that I can't keep the alcohol down. So I got to drink it, throw up, drink it, throw up. And then I could finally keep it down and I'm good. And then I'd go on and he'd come home and we'd have another fight. He'd try to hide the alcohol. And then I ended up um, I'm getting pregnant. And so I ended up getting pregnant and um, I stopped drinking when I found out I was pregnant. So then I stopped drinking. So then I was a couple months pregnant. And right up before that, um, I, I was on, you know, on some antidepressants. I was seeing a psychiatrist. I was seeing a therapist. I was trying to find out what was wrong with me. And I spent all those years doing that. I would see a therapist, but I wouldn't be completely honest. You know, I would went to Kaiser's outpatient thing. I went to Bible study. I no, I did everything, everything. And at that point, I was, I was finally at this place where it's like, you know, I am going to have to do something because I'm going to either kill myself. I will kill myself. There's got to be something. And then I ended up getting pregnant. I stopped drinking, have the baby when, the, you know, the baby was like a month old. I'm sorry, a couple of weeks old. We had this conversation and it was like, okay, about me drinking that if I didn't drink, my husband was like, well, you know, you didn't drink for those seven months, those last when you found out. So, you know, if you were a real alcoholic, you couldn't have stopped drinking. And what I'm thinking is, oh no, I know I'm an alcoholic. But what I said was, oh yeah, you're right. You're right. So what do you know? I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. So I have a drink. I'm good. I have one more time. I do one drink. By the time that baby was uh, five months old, my drinking was like way off the charts. But now I have a baby I have to take care of. So I have everything I always wanted. I have, the, you know, the husband in the house. I got the baby. I mean, it took a year. So I've got the, everything. And by five months, 
I'm back to hiding alcohol, wanting to kill myself, crawling out of my skin. And then it's worse because I'm looking and I have this baby that I have to take care of that I cannot take care of. I mean, I want to take care of them and I want to be that mom, but man, I want to drink. And when I put a drink in me, I'm trying to, I'm in blackouts. It's bad. And then, so what happens is I get pregnant again. He's like six months old. And so I don't drink again. And when this baby, we had a lot of problems and it wasn't from my drinking. It was just some health issues or some other issues, pregnancy issues. So um, I have a baby at home. He's almost one. I'm put on complete bed rest. Now, mind you, I'm not drinking, but I'm a dry drunk at this point. And um, I was mean to everybody. I think back and my poor husband was trying to take care of the kid, the one-year-old. We had nan, we had to have a, we had to have a full-time nanny and we had to have help because I couldn't do anything. But so that baby was two months early. And when that baby um, was born, we were both wound so tight that um, we never recovered basically. And you'll hear about that. We never recovered from that. And the baby uh, was in NICU for a month. And when he came home from NICU, I'd go there every day. We had a full-time nanny. I'm trying to literally keep it together because I really can't drink because when you go to NICU every day, they monitor you. And then they call you at night to make sure you're okay. They keep a tight rein on you because your baby's in the hospital. And man, and so I, would, I kept it together. I didn't drink that month, but I was... It was, it was really hard, um, but I'll tell you, when that baby came home, he came home on a Monday, and by that Friday night, we had people over, and we were on like we had never been on before, so we have this preemie baby. We've got a one-year-old. We've got, we haven't drank and done anything in quite a while, and we, everybody shows up, and we've got the drug dealer there. we got the friends there, so we're drinking. We're doing drugs, and stuff's going on in that house that shouldn't be going on. We have a preemie baby and a one-year-old, and we had the preemie and the pack and play in the living room. So we're all literally, oh yeah, this is gonna be a pack. Anyways, um, we're all literally just partying around like, like we used to, but now we just have these two kids. And you know, some things happened, you know, some things happened that night with some drugs and um, my, my, we're divorced now, but at the time, one of his um, guys that worked for him was there watching this unfold at the house. And a couple of days later, he went into my husband's office, closed the door and said, um, I want you to know I was going to call CPS on you guys, that I, if I ever know that y'all do that again, or if I'm there, anything, I'm calling CPS. He's like, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. And he's like, you guys, I mean, he, and then, so when my husband came home and told me that, you know, I just stopped doing drugs and the kids were like three months old. By this point, they were a couple months old because then I stopped doing drugs. But what I didn't do is um, I drank with a vengeance because I knew I was a shitty mom. I knew he was a shitty dad. I knew he didn't deserve these kids and I could not stop drinking. And so when I knew, I'm thinking, what are we going to do? You know, um, Annie's going to call CPS and he knows everything we do, knows everybody. And, um, you know, I didn't stop drinking. That was in June of 04. And so from that, it was like Memorial weekend. So May, so all through June, it was like, I drank, we had the nanny there. And now she, now I'm hiding the alcohol from my nanny. And I, and all I want to do is kill myself. All I want to do is my, I was crawling out of my skin. 
and I had to drink. And now the drinking really isn't helping that much because I'm always crawling out of my skin because now I'm feel guilty and I'm shameful and I'm watching this gal help with my kids. And now I'm trying to, she's like finding my alcohol and she's like pouring it out. And, and then I'm getting in her face like, yo, hey, you work for me. And you know, I'm very aggressive when um, you take something from me and I don't care who you are. And so um, when the, one of the last times she called my husband, he, she left and he, she called him, thank God. And she said, oh, you got to get home. She's really bad today, which I was bad every day. But this was like really bad. He's like, you know, you, you need to go home. And thank God he did this quite a bit, but he might not go right away. He came right home. But because when he, what happened is I was in a blackout and I was cooking, but I didn't know I was cooking because I was in a blackout. And I went upstairs and um, <clears throat> I'm in this snippet. I'm in a blackout, but then I have this snippet of I'm throwing up the babies in the bassinet, my one-year-old's with me and I'm throwing up all over the room. And I come out of the, the blackout with that one snippet of my one-year-old just looking at me crying. And thank God I laid down and he went to sleep and the baby in the bassinet, he was sleeping. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't walk around or anything. But so my husband came home to that. He came home, guys, cooking something on the stove that I left it on in that he walked in the room and there was this drunk, disgusting wife and his two kids. And, you know, when I came to later on, I knew something had happened. You know, I always knew something happened in the morning. I'd be like, I'd wake up, like, come to, come to in the middle of the night, I'd be like, oh, my God. Or look around, like, what I do? And I would get these snippets of, uh, and then I didn't even ever really want to know. And I knew something really bad happened. Because I remember Zach, his face, my son's face, but I didn't know all the other stuff that was told to me. Um, and so the next day I got up and I did what I, I used to always, um, if I was, if it was getting too much, my husband would get too much in my face about my drinking. I would just leave. I'd go to the store. I get a whole bunch of alcohol and I'd go to a hotel, check in a hotel and just be like, stay there for a day, two days, three days. I didn't care. I could just drink because he always when it was really on my nerves and kind of getting on me, I would just go drink. And I, and I did it this time. I, so I, that next morning after that, I was at that point where, I, okay, I, I have to, something has to happen here because I can't stop drinking and I can't be a mom. And so I left, I got the alcohol. I went to the, to the hotel and he did what he always would do. He would drive all the hotels in the area until he found my car. He found my car. He came to the hotel he was on one side. I was on the other side of the door. I had the chain on and he's crying and I'm crying. And here's where the, the first miracle happened is prior to this, maybe recent, I had uh, one of my good friends, Trish. We, I've known her since I was like 20. We drank together. We were in each other's weddings and um, she's so, and she was sober. She had like four years and I hadn't seen her in like quite a while because we stopped hanging out with her because she was a really bad alcoholic and just crazy. And so she had gotten sober, come back into my life to make an amends. And so I had someone sober that I could, you know, that describes what we were like, what happened and what's like now. So when she came over, when I first saw her, I was shocked that that same lady that was so crazy and such a bad alcoholic was the woman before me. So when my husband came to the hotel that day, He's like, Jackie, I called Trish and Trish said she can help you. You know, you know how she was and look at her now and she can help you. She said, call her, please call her. And so I did. I, I waited till the next day and I called her 
And um, I went to her house and she read something out of the big book to me. And I always forget, but she always reminds me. And I started going to meetings. My first sobriety date was July 23rd of 04. And I was on the pink cloud. I had the house and the husband and the kids. And I literally couldn't believe it. Um, I was so happy. And I would write to meetings. Um, you know, Trisha was sponsoring me. We were working steps. I, got, I was going to that Saddleback Club when it was on Schwartz at the 6 a.m. meeting. You know? That's going to any lengths, really, I think, especially when you have a little baby at home, two babies. So I was doing that and um, about had the nanny still that was helping with the kids so I could go to meetings. And then about eight months in, nine months in, there was something really go, weird going on with my husband. And I knew, you know, he still was doing his thing and I was doing sobriety. And we weren't kind of, I was trying to do both. And then I just couldn't. And he didn't really want to be married to someone sober. So we had this big falling out and um, I knew he, I knew <clears throat> he was up to something and he had a girlfriend and um, man, it freaking jolted me, rocked. I, it, it messed me up after all those years and we finally have kids and I'm finally sober. And I was like, I was a disgusting wife. I was an alcoholic and now I'm sober and it's like, and he didn't want me. And I, it freaking, I, and unfortunately, at that time, it was not emotionally, um, I really had no ex you know, um, experience. Um, I was doing steps, but I still didn't know how to control my emotions. I was just on the pink cloud. Yay, I can go to meetings. I'm not drinking. I'm, I'm doing AA. Yay. You know, but then when something happened, it was like, oh, holy crap. How do you deal with this? How do you deal with life? How do you deal with somebody doesn't want to be with you and they've got a girlfriend and your life just like went boom. So um, he finally tells me that too. He's like, you know, he has this big meltdown. I don't want to be married to you. You're boring. I don't want to be married to someone that's sober. And so I'm like, oh shit. You know, so I got a year that time. I got a year and then about 17 months that first time you know, we were, in, we were, you know, he moved out, he moved in, and then he moved out for the last time. And um, I just lost my mind. I lost my mind. So I was in my parents' house in Oregon and um, I grew with my, with the kids, they were like two and three. And my girlfriend calls me, he's like, oh my God, she's at the, at the Christmas party with that girl. Oh God, it was crazy. And I literally was in this panic blackout frenzy emotionally just couldn't breathe and I'm in my parents pantry and I got a bottle of wine I opened it and drank the whole bottle my poor parents they had the boys outside they were burning they had a bunch of property and they came in and here I was in the kitchen with the bottle I'll never forget the look on my mom's face because she was so happy we were there and her just was like what happened she started crying Oh my God. And I was in a blackout instantly because I hadn't drank and I literally down the whole bottle. And then I was in a blackout. And so I didn't, then she gave me um, tranquilizers because I really needed them. And so she didn't know, but I didn't tell her. <laughs> so I had to go home. So I, we, we flew home a couple of days later and she gave me these tranquilizers and I'm, and I'm taking them one day at a time, you know, one day, every day, and I'm counting them. And, and I, my mom's calling me, you got to tell Trish, you got to tell Trish. No, mom, I'll tell her later. I'll tell her later. I'm not telling her right now. 
So I was lying. I'm taking tranquilizers and I ran out of the tranquilizers. My girlfriend came over and we all went out. She had Xanax and I'm thinking, thank God, because I need some. So I took in her Xanax and I'm thinking, well, I'm not the swallows in and I'm taking Xanax. So I'm just going to drink. So I'm just shooting some tequila and taking her Xanax. We go home and I pass out. And her and her daughter were there. And the next morning, they couldn't wake me up because I had gotten up. And I took, I guess I took way too many of her Xanax. And so she, um, I couldn't wake, I couldn't wake up. And then my mother-in-law was there. And they called the police and my brother and my sister and my ex-husband. They're all outside. Some were inside. But when I finally came to, my mother-in-law was downstairs. And I came down and I told you I'm aggressive. And I remember like, what are you doing in my house? And I'm going to grab her and I'm going to throw her out of my house. And as I grabbed her, you know, something came over me and I stopped and the police showed up and um, I didn't get thrown in jail that time, but they took the boys. My husband took the boys and then um, got a couple months later, I relapsed again. And when I relapsed, um, so I had the cops there and it was just, I just messed everybody up. I affected everybody. So then in April, I relapsed again. And when I relapsed, my husband was bringing the kids home and he could tell I was in a blackout, of course. I opened the door and I'm in a blackout and all of a sudden I'm out of a blackout and he's there and we're getting in this little tussle. I'm throwing, he's on the phone. I hit the phone out of his hand. The police are there. I'm on the porch. I'm, um, the police are very mad at me because I'm being very aggressive. And I I came out of the blackout and he's like, you better, you better hold yourself together so that so your ex can take the boys out of here so that they don't have to see your mom in handcuffs. He says, if you say one more word, I'm handcuffing you right here and they're going to see you. And I remember just stopping on the porch and they walked out, he got in the car, he left, and then I just lost it. And I went to jail. I was in jail for like seven days, domestic violence, and my brother left me there. And this is where the experience happened. And I know I went way too slow. And I'm in jail and I want to drink. I want to get out and I want to just kill myself. I'm done. I'm going to get out. I went to jail in my pajamas. I'm in the, the, the loop and I'm on the cement floor. And I'm just like, finally, I called a day later. I called my brother and um, the first miracle, he left me there. The second miracle, I never called him again. The third miracle is after about day four. I'm laying on that cot. And this voice comes over me. It's my voice, but I don't talk like that. And it says, you never have to drink again. You're going to get out of here and you're going to do whatever you have to do to get those boys back. It's going to be long and hard, but you're going to do it. I'm going to tell you, it was exactly that. And from that moment to this moment, I've never wanted to drink and I've never drank. I've never taken anything that's affected me from the neck up. I get out of jail. My brother picks me up. They put me into um, Cornerstone for 30 days. And I call my sponsor. And my sponsor now is Julie St. John. It was Trisha's sponsor. And um, I went with her because Trish is way too close. I knew Jim too much. Okay, thank you. And so I call her and I'm like, oh, I, I try to tell her what happened. She's like, Jackie, everybody knows what happened. And I'm like, um, I remember my brother took me out. He took me from jail to my attorney's office. I was going through that divorce. So I had the family law attorney and in that office, there was a criminal attorney and I needed a criminal attorney now. So he brings me to that office. I remember sitting in that office and I got the, you know, my family law attorney and now my criminal attorneys there introducing me and tell me what's going on. And they, they brought me there because they wanted to tell me what happened. My brother told me that he left me there because he knew if I would have got out, I would have killed myself. And he didn't want that on his conscience and he didn't know what to do. So they concocted this idea. 
So the attorney tells me, okay, Jim went to my ex, he went to court, he got custody of the kids, restraining orders, you've lost custody, you've lost everything. <laughs> and you have to now fight for your kids and you'll start with trying to get um, monitor visits. And so, um, and we're dropping you off a cornerstone for lockdown for 30 days. And I'm like, okay, fine. And they're all talking around me like I'm not even there. But from that moment that something happened, you know, the, the, the woman that walked into jail was not the same person that walked out. It's like something shifted in me. And I remember sitting in that office, just like, okay, I'll do whatever. And my brother had been, and his wife had packed my um, clothes. And so off I went. So I went for 30 days. I didn't see my kids for like 45 days. Finally got to see them two hours a week. So I had two hours a week for months. I had to do like two 52 week domestic violence classes. I had to do 30 days of Caltrans and we had to sell the house because he was too busy with the girlfriend. So I got out, I had to finish trying to sell the house. We had just bought this property in Bullhead City. Selling that. So, you know, um, my sponsor laid out my life for me. So when I got a cornerstone, she's like, okay, Mondays, you're going to Steel Beach. Tuesday, I had my two domestic violence classes. Wednesday, you're going to, to um, Pacific Group. Thursday and Sunday, I went to the Newport Club. Saturday, I went to Candy Club. Friday, I went to um, and on um, heliotrope, which is like, you're going to do that for a year. Can you do that? And you're going to get commitments. I'm like, I'll do whatever you say. And plus I didn't have custody of my kids and it was going to be a while. And she's like, and then um, I said, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And so that's what I did. I went to those meetings and I remember it wasn't meetings that I knew everybody. When I went to the Canyon club, I met John and Thursday night I met John and um, they just kind of brought me into the meeting and I got my commitments and there was a lot of crying. Um, there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of crying. There was no drinking and there was no fit throwing. And that was the miracle. One of the first thing my sponsor told me when I called her from Firestone, it's like, okay, first direction, you're not allowed to talk to anybody because freaking I was talking to everybody, telling them what my husband was doing to me. I was driving everybody crazy because I was like, what you do? He was doing this. Can you believe he did that? And everyone would just, they'd see me coming on my front. I just drove everyone nuts. <laughs> crazy. So she's like, you can talk to me and one other person. So I picked my criminal attorney I just, and I got to know him real well. I'd call him every day crying. I just met the guy. But she said two people. So I clicked it. And she's like, you can't call any of those girls that you've been driving crazy. So I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, John. So I, and the, you know what? He saved my life. He became my friend and he'd be in court and he'd text me, I'm in court. I'll call you as soon as I get out. Okay. And I'd wait by the phone because I can only call Julie like a couple times a day. So I had to call someone. And I kept, I did exactly what she said. So when I got out, you know, I had those meetings, I had my commitments and John Foss, John gave me one of the commitments on my Thursday night. This, um, they used to call him the mayor of Newport Beach, Jim Knight. And I had to go pick him up off of Newport Boulevard, put him in his, wheelchair in my minivan and take them to the Newport club. So that was a commitment. I mean, I had commitments at all my meetings. I'm going to Brentwood every Wednesday. I did that for two and a half years. I had to um, go to do a 7:30 eval because I was really crazy and I had to be evaluated, but um, I had to do that for a year. And then I had to see Dr. Saltani, another psychiatrist, psychologist that the court appointed me to go to. So it's like, I, you, when you lose all control of everything, something happens if you're willing to do the work there's something that really shifts in you there the humility first of all because when you have restraining orders against you i mean and they it was 
it was, it was, um, I was humiliated, but into humility. You know, my husband would show up at the monitor visits with the psycho girlfriend and I couldn't do, I couldn't cry. You're not allowed, you can cry. You can't be anything, drop those boys off. And I'd be with them for two hours and they'd come back and pick the boys up. And you know, I'll tell you, by the time I had my year, five minutes, thank you, at 10 months. So I did everything the court said. I did everything that my sponsor said. I um, started behaving better. The relationship with that ex husband, whatever, I, um, it was a lot of work. Um, when I had like 90 days sober, he served me with um, just a few quick things that really, um, I took direction that really helped me. And he served me with these papers to bifurcate, to be status single, but we still had to sell the properties. And, and I'm thinking we're still married for a while. And I was called Julie and I said, I'm not signing these things. How dare him? That's insult to injury. And she's like, listen, Jackie, she was always so what? He doesn't want to be with you anymore. He wants to be with someone else. So you're going to go into court and the judge is going to grant it. So just sign him. Keep some dignity. And I'm just crying. She's like, okay, go to the mission. Because I live in San Juan. Go to the mission. Sign it. I want you to go in there. I want you to light a candle. And I want you to say a prayer. Then I want you to go home. I want you to sign the papers. I want you to put them in the mail. And, you know, that's the kind of direction I had to take from her. I, and I'll never forget going to that mission and just sitting there crying, lighting the candle. But then when I walked out, it's like I felt like <laughs> I still a little bit higher. I kind of felt a little, okay, a little dignity came back. And I went home, I signed the papers, I put them in the mail, and I was done. And, you know, all these little things that I did, um, you know, it said you, if you want esteem, self-esteem, do esteemable acts. But, you know, I, I didn't really know how to do esteemable acts on my own. That's what a good sponsor, if you have a good sponsor, that's, you're going to get the direction. And if you want to take that direction, then what happens is you change from the inside out, everything shifts and everything changes. You know, and at 10 months uh, sober, my brother called me, that brother that saved my life by leaving me in jail, he called me and says, oh my God, his gal, he had work in the office, Ashley, she, she needs help. She needs help. Come and see her. Come. So, cause she wanted to party with me. My brother's like, oh no, you can't party with her. She's sober. <laughs> so I go to this, I go to my brother's shop and then I uh, bring Ashley to meetings and she just took 15 years, March 1st, I'll have 16 years this month. And she stayed and I was sponsored for three years and then we were, were best friends. She's still, you know, it, it's amazing. And then when I got that year of sobriety, I got to go to court and all the doctors and, you know, the 730 evaluator and the psychiatrist, they all showed up and I did everything that I was supposed to do. and. So I got 50-50 custody of my kids because um, up till that time, I didn't have any custody. And um, they dropped the restraining orders for the boys, but my husband kept the restraining order. And then so I got custody of the kids. And you know, you don't get everything back. I had way more custody of the boys and other things, but I didn't get all of it back. I got 50-50 and Julie liked to remind me, well, good, because you get to be a mom 50% and when you don't have the boys, you're in AA. And you know, I kind of cried about that, but it really served me well. Because that's what I've been doing. And I've, I've still doing that. <laughs> I've still been doing that. And, you know, about three years. The relationship with my ex was the most, it was just really hard because the boys were little. And, you know, I, I can tell you today that my ex and I have a great relationship. And it has nothing to do with me. And it has everything to do with AA. has everything to do with me following direction from my, my sponsor giving me that direction. How to behave and you know, I would do shit. I just, the texting or the calling, I would tell them how I felt. And then I'd have to go make amends. 
I remember one day he's like, aren't you sick of making amends to me? I'm like, yes, I know I have to stop. And you know, but I, I, when he said it, I was just like, oh yeah, I gotta be done with this because you know, he's calling me out. So I did, I, I finally kind of stopped with that. And he was with, he ended up getting married several years ago. And so my kids have a stepmom, and, you know, I still have some issues, but um, her and I had the rocky start and my kids are now uh, 18 and 19. They've never seen me drink. Um, they think I'm a great mom. They're like, they're 18 and 19 now, though, so they don't really need me like they used to need me. And I'm having a hard time with that. But, you know, they've never seen me drink, and they really um, respect and appreciate AA. And they know what AA has given me. And, um, you know, I'm really grateful. And um, I think that's it. Thank you, guys.